KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. I was making breakfast for my kids. It was May 15, 2010. It was a Saturday, I remember it. And they did it in front of my kids. They slam you down on the ground and they start treating you like you're this is hard and criminal, and I was just illegal reentry. This was the moment Alex's past caught up to him and brought him to his knees. And then I'm getting slammed down, face in the concrete, a foot on my neck, and it's just a god-awful degrading scenario. Alejandro Gomez Cortez is 54 years old. From six months old to 43, he lived in Oakland. When he was 17, he joined the U.S. military became a Marine. But because his adoptive parents had brought him to the U.S. without papers when he was a baby, he wasn't a citizen of the country he grew up in and served. And one of the things that I have to mention at this point was that my recruiter told me that when I went to the induction center, that when I took my oath to swear in that I would become a U.S. citizen. And that was not true. On that Saturday morning with his kids a decade ago, Alex was detained, then deported for the second time. When he was first deported in 2006, he didn't stay deported for long. I came back one day later, and I lasted four and a half years in the United States until I had some beef with a neighbor, and he he called the cops on me. That run-in with his neighbor led to the police doing a background check. That brought up Alex's criminal record. It also showed that he was undocumented. Alex got himself on ICE's radar because he had committed crimes. He got caught dealing drugs after he got kicked out of the Marines. It was his own doing, but as is often the case, he had a tough upbringing. His childhood was troubled. Trauma after trauma led him straight into the prison pipeline. I was sexually abused by an older cousin. He was 22. I was only six. That whole thing was traumatic enough. But then at the age of seven, I finally get the courage to tell my parents, and they just beat the crud out of me. I had a girl back home, and while she got killed in in the drive-by, she caught two straight bullets that hit her neck, and she dies. So I started abusing alcohol. Anyways, I was just young, dumb, and couldn't manage my responsibilities. Alex served his time and paid for his crimes. But when immigration came for him, Years later, he had already straightened out his life. He'd become a responsible family man with a decent job. Instead of a life in the U.S. with his family, Alex was sent to live forever in Mexico, a country he left behind as a baby. And that your kids have to watch you get hauled off like you're some criminal and you're not. The degradation, the humiliation, and the fear that they implant. The fear that they implant. And that's what I'll never forgive him for. It's really a beautiful mural. It seems like a lot of the murals down here are a little more cluttered or not as formal. This one is really technically and aesthetically just beautiful. There's seven faces in black and white. There's a lot of people going up to them up to the faces and looking and some people are even scanning QR codes. 
Alex's deportation story is one of many you can hear when you walk up to a mural painted on the border fence. The murals on the Mexican side in Playas de Tijuana. You can then use your phone to scan the black and white QR codes printed on little stickers stuck to the fence. Scanning the stickers takes you to YouTube videos. The videos show people talking about how they got deported, why they got deported, and what's happening to them now. Había que venir hasta aquí para volver a ir a, a Mexicali. Era muy pesado la wey. Most of these stories are pretty emotional and hard to hear. No matter what side of the fence you're standing on when it comes to the immigration debate. I'm Alan Lilienthal, and you're listening to Only Here, a KPBS podcast about unexplored subcultures, creativity, and struggles at the U.S.-Mexico border. Today, stories about people who've been deported and an artist who wants them to be heard. It's about empathy and how storytelling and some paint helps build it. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. Maria Rodriguez felt like she had no choice. Her husband hit her. He was violent. Como un animal. Maria has kids. She knew she wanted a better life for them. So she left Tijuana and headed north al otro lado, the side where jobs paid more than just a few dollars a day. She was just 19 and already a mother of three kids, while in the U.S. she had five more kids. One of them, a daughter named Gracie, has cerebral palsy. It's a disability that requires her to use a wheelchair for life. Sometimes she gets bad seizures. Era muy difícil para mí reconocer que mi niña no era normal como los demás. Maria knew she just had to figure out her citizenship problem for Gracie and the rest of her kids. So she started the process. It wasn't easy. She ended up crisscrossing back and forth across the border a few times. Then she finally got her chance to make her case to immigration officials. Entonces llegó el día en que llegó la cita y yo bien contenta. No, hombre, dije, ya llegó la cita, al juez le voy a explicar todo lo que ha pasado si me dan esa oportunidad. But as that day approached, her lawyer told her not to go. He said the court already knew she'd entered the country illegally. He said she'd just be detained and deported. So Maria skipped it. Then, 15 days later, ICE showed up at her door. Yo le rogué, le supliqué. Les decía que estaba mi hija tirada. Mira cómo se arrastra mi hija. No, no se lleve, por favor, le decía. Mi niña no camina, mi niña tiene ataques epilépticos. Yo no me la cuido. I can't even imagine having a daughter at home suffering and not only not being able to go home to help her, but not 
being able to go home at all, ever. Maria was deported. Now she drives a taxi and sells clothes in Zona Norte in Tijuana. She says being separated from her kids during the deportation process was unbearable. She doesn't want it to keep happening to other moms and kids. Porque están deportando más madres, que eso lo he notado más que hombres. Separan más a las familias con hijos a las madres que a los hombres, que dejen de hacer esa tontería. Esos hijos están volviendo, aunque sean ciudadanos viciosos. ICE deported roughly 86,000 immigrants from the U.S. last fiscal year. President Donald Trump describes the people being sent back as hardened criminals. And sure, maybe a few of them are, but artist and researcher Lisbeth de la Cruz Santana knows there's way more to the story. How's it going? Good, good. I'm just like looking at people, like just interacting with the wall, you know? Yeah, it must be cool to see yeah. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. You're just a total stranger to them. Like they, they have yeah, idea. they have no idea, exactly. Liz is working on getting her PhD in Spanish at UC Davis. She's an artist, a scholar, and an activist, which is why she launched her Playas de Tijuana mural project last year. She saw the interactive mural as a creative way to get more ears on the personal stories that have been collected in two online storytelling archives. And in that sense, we move away just from like the numbers and the digits of to describe how many deportations we have in the U.S. and to actually see the human faces and to actually have the opportunity to hear their stories through the QR codes. Liz worked with an artist named Mauro Carrera. They painted the mural with the help of a handful of volunteers, some of them being the actual folks whose faces are featured in the mural. All of the large black and white portraits are of people brought to the United States as children, the people we call dreamers. But the stories the mural links to extend well beyond dreamers. You can find all kinds of stories about people who ended up in the U.S. by crossing themselves and hear why they made the journey. Liz has put a ton of work and money into the project because for her, the issue of immigration is very personal. Why here? Why'd you pick here instead of up there or, yeah. or somewhere at a museum? Like or another here? place in the border, right? Right, right, yeah. why right here? So for me, this space is really um, special. My dad actually crossed through here when he was young. So in one of the crossings that he was able to do to the U.S., because my dad would cross back and forth back in the day, and it was so much easier compared to now. But he crossed through here, and I really just wanted to commemorate his crossing because then our life changed because I was born in the U.S., and then, I mean, our whole family has just been able to just enjoy the privilege of being a U.S. citizen. So it's very personal having here for you. Oh, yeah, it's very, very personal. and. I mean, for me, it's just just doing field work in Tijuana and specifically Playas de Tijuana. Just, you know, I really wanted to show the faces of people who live here and have been affected by the border here specifically. When we come back, we'll scan another QR code on Liz's Playas de Tijuana mural project and hear another deportation story. Stay tuned.
KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. Some guys actually put me and my brother um, in the trunk and crosses to, to the States. Brian Mondojando was just three when his parents took him from Mexico to the U.S. I actually studied kindergarten, uh, elementary, part of my high school. In the States, for me, it was, you can say, my world, you know, because gr- growing up in the States and not knowing anything about Mexico. He loved living in the U.S. His parents did well. They bought a nice house, built a good life. But then, in a flash, it was all gone. Unfortunately, my parents got deported. They actually, they got deported here in Mexico. It was difficult for us because once we heard that my mom and my dad got deported, we were with my aunt and my uncle. Brian's aunt and uncle helped him and his siblings pack up their things and move to Mexico to live with their parents. Brian says the minute he got there, he felt like an alien. I remember that when I came here in Mexico for the first time, it was really a whole different world for me. It was kind of strange. I felt weird. It's something so different. Here's one thing that's different. Brian's dad got kidnapped. Hundreds of people get kidnapped in Mexico every year. Express kidnappings with ransoms of just a few thousand dollars have even become a thing here for criminals looking to make a quick buck. Imagine not knowing anything about your dad for weeks, for a month, for two months, not even a call, like, telling us, you know, we have your dad, um, you have to pay a rescue. I remember that I was actually still studying high school. I didn't go to, uh, to school for two or three months. All the family was looking for my dad. You know, we went to the police station. We posted pictures all over the city on, you know, Facebook. Six months later, his dad was found and came home. But now Brian can't shake his paranoia. It's really hard for him to trust the country he's been forced to call home. Here in Mexico, we we have been living, you know, like horrible things, horrible things. Also, you know, I I also want to let people know who who gets deported out here to, you know, to also to be careful. Because it's not like in the States, you know, that you can probably be walking at 9 or 10. You know, here in Mexico, if, if you're walking, uh, n- not at all the times, you know, but, you know, you can get probably robbed. They will actually take your phone away or, you don't know. I don't know. You never know, you know, what can happen here. You can probably get kidnapped. I know Mexico is our culture. I know Mexico is our country, you know, where we actually live. But, I mean, you're not going to compare Mexico to the United States. But here in Mexico, the corruption is, is the worst thing that you can live here. 
We have 215 stories right now. So that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And I mean, we have teams right now in um, Chiapas. Uh, tenemos otros donde están Ciudad de México, Jalisco y Juárez. And then we're currently working in California too. So I mean, we're gonna get keep getting stories. So I think it's really nice to have people engage with them, specifically here in Tijuana. The mural and its stories are getting lots of attention. The project's been featured in the news in both Spanish and English. And Liz is pretty prolific when it comes to promoting the project on Instagram. A lot of artists say they want their art to start a conversation about one important issue or another. But honestly, it just doesn't really happen that often. Liz's interactive mural, though, is actually making an impact. So people who actually come here, because people hear about the mural all over the place now, and they specifically come to see it. And I think that makes me feel that this work has accomplished something so far. I mean, it means that they're interested in this conversation and that they're trying to understand why we selected these images here. Because people would always come up to us and ask, why is this person here? Is this person famous? What have they done? And then we explain their story and then they feel very emotional about it. So we've had a few people cry with us sometimes um, while we were working here. And it just kind of triggers a lot of memories for us as well, like our own personal experiences. Liz has been back to the mural to fix graffiti and make sure the QR codes still work. She's now working on a film about the project. She's also using the mural and the attention it's getting to raise money for family reunifications. Earlier this year, she was able to connect a family separated by deportation at a two-day event held at the Mexicali-Calixico border fence. <laughs> I wasn't there, but Liz posted some really beautiful videos on Instagram of family members from both sides coming together and seeing each other through the fence and then discovering a little hole in the wire mesh where they could reach their hands through and hold each other, even if just for a few minutes. Oh, look, it's even more gangster right here, look. Next time on the podcast, we continue our conversation series. I talked to Antonio Gamboa, the founder of Telefonica Gastropark. He's one of the Tijuanenses responsible for the city's food revolution, and we talk about his cross-border past, present, and future. There might be some news in there that will have all you foodies very excited. Here is a KPBS podcast hosted by me, Alan Lilienthal. It was written and produced by Kinsey Moreland. Emily Jankowski is the director of sound design. Lisa Morissette is operations manager, and John Decker is the director of programming. Audio producer and consultant Curtis Fox helped edit the script. 
If you're into it, you can always call 619-452-0228 and leave us a voicemail to let us know what you thought of this episode or just to say what's up. Thank you. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team. Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I.